Good morning and welcome to the Battle Line Podcast, this place where we have conversations on that collision of space between community, faith, and culture. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Satterley, and here with me is the National Director of Publications, Warcry, check, Peer Magazine, double check, Crest Books, which some of you don't know about, triple check, and Word Indeed, quadruple check, is... Major Jamie Satterley, co-host, I'll sprout the line, co-host on podcast, co-host with me in life. Major Jamie, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How's it going, guys? Doing great. The weather is changing. It's fall. The leaves are changing. I should, the leaves are changing, not the weather. The no, I wish I'd make up its mind. We had like two days of fall weather and then it got warm again, Yep. And which is fine. It's not like hot, hot, but I'm just like, what, where's the fall? Yeah. Supposedly, it comes back tomorrow. It happened in Genesis, the fall. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That was lame. All it's right. A, here we go. What a, whatever a cross between a dad joke and a preacher joke is. <laughs> we also have with us the National Director of Multimedia, such and such. One of these days, I'm going to get your title before we start, Elizabeth. <laughs> the one who is a, a pro, producer on the show, the co-host, the one who really makes this whole shindig run, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I've committed my wardrobe to the fall weather, regardless of the temperature. That's excellent. You know, like you want to wear that influencer fedora hat that the ladies are wearing and it's 95 degrees outside. Mm -hmm. You do you. Looking hip. That's right. I feel bad for the poor kids who have to bundle up because it's cold in the morning and they bundle up and then every afternoon they come home from school and they're like, I'm so hot. Layers. Oh I get That's it. That's what people tell us, address. right? This time of year, layers. Layers are great. You can take them off. You can put them on as the weather changes. You're Go spitting ahead, facts. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, layers and fedoras in the fall weather have uh, mostly nothing to do with what we're talking about today. <laughs> so there are a couple of uh, a couple of stories, a couple of things, items of discussion that we want to talk about that relate to culture, uh, to youth culture in particular. And so we want to kind of cover them. We're going to talk about uh, something that may be new to you listeners called Witch Talk. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about some uh, new facts that are coming out about um, Bible reading and biblical literacy. And also take a good look at discipleship, which I think is uh, a really great way that we can kind of combat some of the messages that are coming out of Witch Talk. Thank you, Major Jamie. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is exactly witches of TikTok. So the U- USA Today and the, I want to say it's the New York Post did articles. Now, of course, it's Halloween, this stuff, the Halloween time, this stuff always comes up every year. But they did an article on the growing trend of Wiccan, Zodiac, Tarot card reading, spell casting. What other stuff is out there, Major Jamie? Crystals, manifestation, manifestation, this kind divination, of stuff. that kind of stuff. Matt, can we put a pin? Let me let me just explain something to our listeners yeah, real quick. Ex- explain if you what are, this is. Um, a listener who maybe is um, not particularly in tune with TikTok. The way that TikTok kind of works, the TikTok lingo is that whatever the the subject is becomes the first syllable and then you just end it with talk. So if it's a, if it's videos about books, that's book talk, right? You might have, you know, uh, Taylor Swift, you know, like Swift talk or whatever. So there's all these, you know, whatever, whatever it is, the subject is, is the first word, then you just end it with talk. So when we say witch talk, what we're talking about are videos on TikTok that have to do with witchcraft. Yeah. And right? we're saying talk, T-O-K, T-O-K, not T-A-L-K. Yeah. So, so these are TikTok videos about witchcraft, hence the name Witch Talk. So USA Today and New York Post have recently both said there are 19 billion, that's billion with a B, folks, not million, 19 billion views of witches of TikTok on Obviously, we're going to say that word a lot, the TikTok app. And this is a growing trend among teenagers, among young adults, of people who are relating to things that are of the Wiccan, I guess we can say faith. Yeah, pagan. Spir- yeah. They, they say spirituality. It's an all-encompassing, all not just the worship of nature that comes from Wiccan, but it's all-encompassing. We're going to put into this, we're lo- lumping into this, and I know the witches out there will disagree with me, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, Nate, the worship of nature, uh, tarot card reading, fortune telling, crystal ball stuff, a zodiac, all that stuff. We're going to lump numerology, all, all of that stuff together. So 
Again, 19 billion views. If you're not thinking that this is affecting young people or not even young people, affecting anybody near you within your sphere of influence, you're wrong. 19 billion views, folks. This has got this is this is got something to do with our world today. And and I think it comes out of this is I, I was we were researching this and preparing for this podcast. I think it's this two reasons. Number one, um, it's an attempt to control the world around you. Okay, so that's the first thing is people feel helpless that all of a sudden a pandemic comes in and completely changes your world and people are looking for something to hold on to. And and tarot card reading and all this stuff allows you to physically do something to think to make you believe that you have the power to control the world around you. And number two, this is why the witches of TikTok is so popular and salvation is out there. You got to hear this word because you know this word. They are joining this because they find community, community. There's a place, there are other people like them where they can be heard. So it's an attempt to control the world around you and it's a place to find community. What do you think, Major Jamie Elizabeth Fireoff? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it's particularly, so the, when I was researching for this, um, try, <laughs> trying not to actually watch the videos on TikTok because I did not want to mess up my algorithm and suddenly get flooded with witch talk in my uh, feed. But um, there were, I read a great article at USA Today that talks about kind of this phenomenon, and they actually talked to several of these, um, like the producers of these videos and things, and asked them a lot of good questions. And we'll get to, uh, I think, a quote that's really important in a minute. But one of the things that um, came up was about tarot cards and about how uh, – so they, what, what happens in these videos is that somebody comes on and does a tarot card reading, and then if you if it resonates with you – then you would post in the comments and say, like, I affirm, um, I claim this with positive affirmation. And then they would move into like manifesting techniques uh, in order to try to make these things come true. And all of this is kind of spinning off. Well, it's been around forever, right? Tar tarot oh, yeah, card yes. reading. This is nothing forever. new. It's just easily no. more accessible because of the World Wide Web, TikTok, right. social media, that kind of stuff. In particular, I think why this this time and they talk a little bit about in these various articles that I read is that right now we're in such a time where nothing is certain, right? Everything seems uncertain. We're, you know, this pandemic, um, you know, suddenly we were tossed into this environment where all of the things that we knew were, you know, secure going to school, being able to go to the grocery store, you know, and pick up things uh, like, you know, just walking around in public. These are all things that we just did then all of a sudden, these were not things that you just do. You know, they take planning. The stores are only open at certain times. You, they may not have what you want on the shelves. The kids aren't going to school. You don't just walk around in public, you know, at the, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic. Everybody was like afraid of people. Uh, and so I think with this particular tarot card reading thing, it became a way of like, uh, Okay, well, uh, I see, I can kind of see what's going to happen. It, uh, trying to reclaim control, right? Uh, so this thing is telling me that everything's going to be okay, and I'm choosing to accept it, and I'm going to manifest it. And listen, I could talk a long time about manifest manifesting. Okay, you quickly, uh, in one sentence, divine to some listeners, define to some listeners. In one sentence, man, I can't what, do anything in what, one sentence. <laughs> what, is, uh, what is manifesting? So, so manifesting is when you... Uh, there's something that you want or something that you need, and you are going to speak it into existence in your life. I'm speaking life-giving words over myself to get what I right, and that's want. the thing because there in the Bible it talks about you know the tongue having the the power of life and death. Right. So it's like taking these biblical truths and manipulating them to into something end. else, right? And so with manifesting, this listen, I've learned more about manifesting than I already was against it and had strong feelings about it. But then as I was doing this research, I was like, oh, there's a whole other world of manifesting that I didn't know about. Like, I'm not going to uh, go into details because I don't really want to teach people how to manifest. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to, we don't, we don't, and I, we would, we would also about, warn you about researching this stuff too. You right. need to be prayed up before you go into this stuff. Continue, right. please, Major Jamie. No, so there's, there are like, People hold to formulas. If I'm going to manifest this in my life, here are formulas that I can speak, that I can write, that I can, you know, do whatever. And if I do this enough 
it will come true. Do you remember, Matt, when we were in elementary school and you used to stand in like at the slumber parties or whatever? Like, what a wild world we lived in <laughs> in the 90s. You would like stand in front of the mirror and say Bloody Mary or whatever. And then, yeah. it, or I even mean, the, to the me, Charlie. that's what it seems remember like. Is, like if I stand the, here with the pencil, you remember this? Yeah. Charlie thing? So if I stand here long enough or say this, this, this phrase long enough or, you know, do this long enough, it will come true in my life. Uh, and that's just not reality. I think uh, sometimes we we get confused between correlation and causation. You know, some things may happen, but just uh, that's like a coincidence, not necessarily you actually made it happen, uh, particularly if it's something that was likely going to happen anyway. But we're getting off on a whole new yeah, yeah. topic with manifestation. But I think that it all goes back to this lack of, we feel like we don't know what's happening. We don't, this world looks nothing like the world that we thought we lived in all of a sudden in these past two years. And so people are uh, scared and they're afraid and they're trying, I think, to grasp onto any kind of like, you know, okay, what's, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but maybe this can help me figure it out. Or maybe I can make it happen, regain some sense of control. Let, let me read you a quote from, tell me if this is not a Sounds like it just got written directly from a Salvation Army devotional. Okay, tell me if this sounds like you can tell me what Salvation Army book this came from. Here's the quote. We live in this very intense, dark age. People want purpose and they want connection. But beyond that, they want something that helps them to connect something larger to themselves. Is that a Salvation Army book? from Christ Brooks. No. Is that a Christian book? No. That was actually written by Gabriella Hurtstick, who wrote the book Inner Witch, Unlocking Your Inner Witch or whatever, something like that. But it, the book's called Inner Witch. We live in this very intense dark age. People want purpose. They want connection. Beyond that, they want something that helps them connect to something larger than themselves. And that's what they're finding on TikTok. There's this growth of this because people are finding community, folks, church out there, what do we have to offer the world? We have salvation. We have Jesus. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Why are we worshiping creation when we could be worshiping the creator? And we should have Christian community. Now, there's community out there for sure, but that community we need to be offering out to the world. Yeah, in this USA Today article uh, that I was reading, again, where they were kind of interviewing these people who are making videos on Witch Talk, uh, they asked him, like, why do you think that you're seeing so much success? Um, and one of the things that they talked about is that how a lot of the people who are involved in Witch Talk are people who come from maybe groups of people who have been marginalized or ostracized, people who may not feel at home in the church. We're talking about, you know, LGBTQ people. Yep. You know, people who um, just don't have have felt unwelcome in other spaces, not in just the church, but in other spaces in general. And this is a place that is saying, hey, come be part of us. And they, again, like you said, they're wanting to find purpose and they're wanting to find community. And here's a community who's saying, hey, we'll be your people. Uh, and, and that, and again, that's what people are looking for. So, it's a challenge, I think, to us as the church to say like, hey, we think we have, not we think, we know we have the answer to these problems, but we've got to find a way to make people feel at home and accepted and loved and to, to be able to connect to them there. Like you said, instead of connecting with the creation to connect with the creator, but how can we do that? And, and I know this is, it's a huge topic where it's oversimplifying it to just say, hey, let's make them feel at home. But this is what we're saying is we've got to find, if we want, if we don't want to lose people to this kind of phenomenon, we've got to find a way to help them experience community within the church. And I, I was going to say, exactly, that's a great segue to this point. Like Salvation Army officers, soldiers, anybody who's listening to this, like if you don't think that the kids, or not even the kids, you don't think the adults, the people in your core are doing what I call it, buffeting. They're taking, it's like Golden Corral buffet, right? You're going to a buffet. They take a little bit of Jesus, right? Or they take a lot of Jesus and they put them in their heart and their plate. But then they see a little bit of Zodiac and they put a little bit of Zodiac on there too. So now it's Christianity and and something else. They go and say, oh, well, there's a little, you know, um, 
Oprah, right? So now we have a little Oprah philosophy in our life. So now it's Christianity and, and it's that kind of, so you're going to see this buffeting in, I, listen, I see the tweets from Salvationist youth who very much, who are, who have declared they are firm believers in Jesus. They're soldiers. And when I see their tweets, they're very much talking about what Sagittarius is telling them what the moon is going to do. Right? Well, and it's not just, it's not just youth. Sometimes it's our adult soldiery as well. And here's the thing is this is going to help us segue, I think, later on to make this connection in our next two topics. But like I even I, we have to fight this with our own children who are raised in a household where, you know, we try to to instill into them, you know, biblical literacy and all these kind of things is that if, if our people don't know the word again, just like with manifestation, it's easy. I can see how it's easy to make a connection between the tongue holds the power over life and death to manifest this in my life. And if you're not biblically grounded and you don't have a, a you know, a firm foundation, strong biblical literacy, it's easy to to make these connections say, well, that sounds like what I hear at church or that sounds like it's okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's why it becomes even more vital um, for us to make sure that we are discipling our people and teaching them how to, you know, read the word and discern the word and, you know, break it down and understand what it's truly saying so that when you're confronted with that, okay, well, I have this scripture and I have this belief that's blowing up everywhere, they can see why, why that's not actually what that says. I, I did watch some of the TikTok videos on the witches of TikTok. So, um, but I, you know, it's funny what I saw in there was like, guys, we have to remember too, folks out there, you have to explain and we need to make sure that kids understand it. Not just kids, adults, you know, that there are real spirits. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. Okay. And so when I watched some of these videos of TikTok, they were talking about, they saw like, they're like, you know, what I liked about this is I, uh, when I'm home alone, the witches were saying, when I'm home alone, I talk with the spirits in my house. Like I see shadowy things in my house in the evening. I'm like, guys, don't play around with this stuff. Cause demons are a very real thing. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen, And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Like, Oh, I'm so in touch with the nature. I'm alive. I, I see things differently. Don't think that the enemy can't manipulate these things to confuse us. So Major Jamie, as we get ready to close this one out, um, I got a few more things, but but before we finish out, let me ask you this question. Like as you you were a divisional youth leader, you were a core officer, how would you, if, if a parent or even a kid came and said, uh, like, how would, how should I, how should I respond to if I have a friend who is involved in this kind of stuff? Like what, what, what sort of like advice, prayer things would you say to this friend or this person, to this person who could help a friend who gets involved in a little bit of like Wiccan and tarot card reading and all that stuff? What would you say? Well, I think the thing first is that you yourself have to know, you know, what you believe, why you believe it, uh, be spiritually grounded. But I think just like in many other things, our first tendency is to just say, hey, you shouldn't do that. Okay. Well, okay. That just yeah. puts people on the defensive. I would say there's, um, we're going to talk a little bit Bible verse real quick. I'm going to interject this. I'm sorry, Major Jamie, but like there's verses in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, right? About sorcery and all this stuff. I would not, I, those are Bible verses, all scriptures, God breathe. I wouldn't lead with those first. I think the default reaction is to go, oh, Leviticus says this is wrong and that these people should be stoned. Okay, like I understand that that's scripture, but let's perhaps like let's not lead with that Bible verse first. Okay, Major Jamie, continue. Sorry. Yeah. So no. So I was just saying like that's our I think our first default thing is to just be like don't do it. Um, but I think again we're going to get into this with discipleship. It's all about the relationship. Um, you know, people people's lives are changed when they see that you're different. So when if they're saying like, hey, would you like to do this with me? Then you say no. That I feel like. You know, that goes against what I believe. Here's the reasons why. Uh, and then, you know, let them know, like, I love you. I don't think that these things are right. And I'm willing to have deeper conversation with you about this if you're interested. When you just come at people and be like, hey, you're wrong for this, it puts them on the defensive, then they're not open. Right. But it's all about just like everything else with relationship, then you can address things. Um, just live out your walk in front of them and the opportunities, ask God to give you opportunities to share and it will happen. Um, but I think when we just jump in and be like, Hey, you're wrong. Yep. I that think doesn't, that's typically doesn't work. I think the, the best way to handle this is, is folks, if you're like, 
take a lesson. Let's look to the word. Second Chronicles chapter 33. We get King Manasseh. I'm probably saying that horribly wrong. All the Hebrew scholars are out there going to write me. It's cool. But King Manasseh of King of Judah in Second Chronicles 33. It says this at verse six. Okay. He... Manasseh sacrificed his sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. So first off, we see child sacrifice. Uh, and also, also, side note here, Ben-Hinnom is the same translated word that Jesus will say, Gehenna, which means hell. Right? So he's sacrificing his sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, Gehenna. Jesus uses that for hell. All right? The trash heap, the dunk, uh, junkyard of... Uh, Jerusalem. So he did this. He sacrificed his sons in the fire. He practiced sorcery, divination, witchcraft, consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. We get that in 2 Chronicles 33, 3, verse 6. But then we get verses 12 and 13. In verse 12 and 13, Manasseh, in his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God, humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea, and he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Folks, in all of this, it's easy for us to say, don't do that. But take a lesson from Second Chronicles 33 and see that there is redemption. There is redemption from all of this, and that can be done through the blood of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us and in his resurrection. So, yeah, I mean, I would say if you see somebody sacrificing their kid, that's definitely the time when you should stand up and be like, hey, don't do, don't do that. All right. Anything else? Anything else, guys, that you want to talk about witches of TikTok before we move on to our second news story ripped from the headlines? All right. Here we go. Number two. Our, we have three news stories for you today. And here is number two. So uh, Bible reading increased in the United States of America during the coronavirus pandemic. So 50% of Americans interviewed, surveyed, said that they read the Bible nearly, at least I think they said weekly, I think was what it was. 50% of Americans got into the Bible over the pandemic. This comes, this translates out to 181 million Americans. All right. So biblical literacy, we talked about that earlier. Major Jamie mentioned it about knowing the word. Biblical literacy has been on a steady decline in America for a couple of years, obviously, but it had its first like it's had some peaks, but it had its highest peak in 2020 as not just Christians, but Americans, we're talking Christians, non-Christians, ran to the Bible to read what the word had to say um, during the, the voice of the pandemic. So, uh, Major Jamie, Elizabeth, what do you think? What, what, what do you think is the reason for this? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's natural – it seems to be natural in times when uh, of great turmoil, right? That's typically when you see people – turning to the Lord. So I think it's not, it's not surprising to me. I'm, I'm not surprised by this um, statistic. My thing is now, okay, so now what? Yeah. Do now you, was, what do we do from I was going to ask you, do you think that this is a case of like foxhole behavior? Like, oh no, the world's falling down. We just saw that, right? We can't control the world in the coronavirus pandemic. So, so I'm just going to read the Bible because Maybe there's some. You're looking for comfort from something. Yeah, I don't care. Like that's the like people. Yeah, are that's say, the thing oh, is like okay, it can be a foxhole thing, but okay, they're good. Hard, people yeah, are exactly. I would say people will probably say, oh, their heart's not in the right place. I, we don't care, right? People are getting into the word. Let's make the most of the opportunity while we have it. Right. God can use any of that. Any of that. It doesn't. I don't think God's like, oh, well, they're only looking at this. So I'm not going to speak to them. For sure. And I think like, we need we need to be careful, Christians, because that same study says only one third of Protestant Christians say they read the Bible personally every day. Only one third of, again, Protestant Christians say they read the Bible uh, every day. So like, it's easy for us to say, well, maybe the heart's not like we got to we got to check ourselves sometimes when we're kicking around. And if people are getting into the word, man, can we make the good, most of the opportunity while it. we can? For sure. Yeah. Let's pray about it. Like God's going to sort like sort all that out, right? That's not our job. Our job is just to encourage them, equip them, you know, help them along in that, not be like, well, I don't think your heart's in the right place. So, uh, okay. <laughs> That's God's job. Let God worry about that part. Let us just encourage one, encourage one another on in the faith. Also, you're right. If we are not going to be in the word, then I don't think we really have the space to judge other people who are 
searching it out. Ooh, fire. Christians, it's this is the thing is that the what's surprising to me about this statistic. I guess I shouldn't say surprising. What's sad to me about this statistic is how few people who who are believers are tied in, you know, to the word or to spiritual disciplines. And again, this is why because witch talk is a a thing another thing for us to say like this is why spiritual disciplines are so important this is why your spiritual formation is so important because of these things that are out there and you needing to war yourself against them uh, well let's go to this major jamie what are some ways that people can help like what are some what are have you have you found things in your journey that will help get people into the bible some like bible reading helps that are out there well i think this is uh again part of the problem is i think that we've just kind of taught people read your Bible. Like that's what we say, right? There's even a Sunday school song about it. Read your Bible, pray every day. Well, what about people who, uh, you know, like say more are more creative and just straight reading is difficult for them. The, the key to this is there's not one right way to read the Bible. You've got to figure out what works for you. So for, if you're a creative person, um, not me, so it's hard for me to speak to this. But if you're a creative person, then things like Bible journaling or, you know, um, painting what it is you're reading, those kind of things are probably going to be more beneficial to you. If you're somebody like me who likes, you know, to uh, research and analytical stuff, then studying it, you know, by looking at word, uh, like what, you know, word translations and historical context and all those kind of things. Though that's more in my line of thinking and how I like to ingest things and how I like to study. That's probably that won't necessarily work for the creative people. I can't draw a stick figure, so painting or Bible journaling is not going to be my vibe. If I do that as a perfectionist, I'm just going to be angry because I can't draw a stick figure. <laughs> not God's word is not penetrating my heart. So you just have to figure out like what what are your gifts? What are you you know how do you best process? anything that's and then figure out how to incorporate the bible into that now that said like you can't just be like well i like music so i'm my all of my spiritual formation is going to come from praise and worship songs that's good not all praise and worship songs are biblically accurate so don't like you can't rely on that you need you've got to be in the word but then how how you do that can be different does that make sense? Yeah, crossway.org put out this uh, incredible uh, article and like I'll just read them real quick. Eight quick steps to like getting a Bible reading going. One, take your guilt to God because people feel guilty because they're not reading the Bible. So, you know, when you feel guilty, you're like, well, I'm less inclined to do it because I don't feel I won't like feeling guilty. Two, pray for the Holy Spirit to lead us to to say, what do you want the word to teach me today? Three, this is key, regular time and place. A regular time and place for which leads into routine. Build a routine, as Major Jamie was saying. Five, start small. You don't have to read. If you if you say I'm going to read Psalm 119 on my first go, rough look. Okay, so start small. Uh, six, Major Jamie said it. Get a version that works for you. I like those people that uh, those Bibles that we've seen that have the wide margins now, so that people draw in those. Um, yeah, or take notes. Yep, and that was number seven, Major Jamie. You read ahead. Journal. Hey, listen. Can I put a asterisk here though? Yeah. Like the. There are reasons why there are different Bible versions, and some somehow sometimes the way that versions come about, I think it's just important to know, like what's the history of the version? Why was the version created? You know what what are kind of the end goals of the people who were putting together these versions of the Bible? So know know how it was done, the methods that were done, why it was done. Because you want to make sure that you're getting an accurate version. Like there's the Bible according to Gen Z, which is hilarious. I, I'm not saying anything bad against it. It's hilarious and it's written in today's language. And if it leads kids to know Jesus, I'm happy about but it. But I wouldn't do but a Bible it's not study on an, that. A, <laughs> yes, it's not a, I wouldn't say like a uh, um, theologically grounded publication. <laughs> if you step into the pulpit and you say, turn in your Lego Bible, then that might be a problem too. Yeah. So just, <laughs> no, I think it's important. Yes. Find the version that works for you, but make sure that it's a legit version that was put together using, you know, 
proper context and, you know, theologians and not just like, you know, this guy. The last step, number eight, is probably key. Put your phone in the other room. <laughs> Put your phone in the other room before you're, and then go back to the room you were in and read the Bible. Because uh, the same article that we read this in, that biblical literacy is up, that more Americans are reading the Bible, said that when Christians were asked, if you had some free time, you know, at home, uh, what would you spend your time on? 66% said they would go on Facebook. 40% said they go to YouTube and then 32% said if they had some free time, they'd read the Bible. So the Bible lost out actually to Facebook and YouTube. All right. Psalm, Psalm 19, seven, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. That's why we get in the word because it revives the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Last thing for those of you who are listening to this, who are youth leaders, who are officers, who are uh, leaders in your core, uh, this the same study said this regularly reading the Bible is the biggest factor in the spiritual health of kids from kids to young adults. So if we can get kids to young adults, anybody in that age range, I'm going to say from zero to thirty five to, to be in the Bible, regularly reading the Bible. That is the biggest factor that grows spiritual health. We need to get our people to regularly read in the word and do it for themselves. You know, maybe not, it's great when they come to the core. It's great on Sunday morning. It's great at core cadets, junior soldiers, home league. Oops, sorry, community, women's ministries, community care, all these things. But we should be teaching people to get into the word themselves. Anything else, Major Jamie or Elizabeth? Yeah, let's play a game. Oh, boy. Would you like to play a game? You're Since you always love to put me on the spot, I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to read you some scripture from the Gen Z Bible, okay. the Gen Z translation. And you're going to try to guess what Bible verse it is. Okay. Okay. Lego. Okay. I'll give you the verse number. This is, and you have to identify the book or what the actual scripture is. Okay. okay? Uh, literally. Okay. Verse seven of this book and chapter says, I understood the assignment. I think it could be so many. I, I know. Have, That's I what we're saying. The, you have I'm to say it's check your I, versions, but I have fought the good fight. I have won the race. <laughs> right. It is Second Timothy four seven. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know how I got that? I understood the assignment. Yes. All right. Here you go. Don't be canceled by sus vibes, but cancel that sus energy on God. Uh, take my yoke upon you. No, it's from Romans twelve. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Sus. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. You ready for the next one? Go. Fire nah, off. Nah, he tweaking. Depart from me. I knew you not. <laughs> this one's from Isaiah 32. For the fool speaks folly and his heart is busy with iniquity to practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the Lord, to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied and to deprive the thirsty of drink. Give me one more, Major James. All right. One more. Flex on Satan with God's drip. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Put on the whole armor of God ah. that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I got it to the right book. I think I got Ephesians, right? So. Yeah. All right. Okay. Give us your morning vibes. I know you said one more, but I'm just going to keep going. Give us your morning <laughs> we'll vibes. after this one. So the homies can just vibe forever. Give us today our daily bread. Is that the Lord's uh, prayer? Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad in all our days. Okay, one more. <laughs> all right. This, last, this has last to be the one. last one. This spiritual milk is bussin' bussin'. Oh, yeah. Uh, crave spiritual milk. Yes. Yeah. So here, listen, you can see this. Is, listen, I don't hate the Gen Z Bible. It makes for fun Instagram story, you know, things. But maybe not the most theologically uh, correct thing Yeah, for, for us sure. to be studying. So make sure that you're checking out your versions. If biblical literacy is so important. Again, it's the, it's the biggest factor in the spiritual health of kids, young adults. And, and I'm, I would say, it, why you stop at young adults? I would say it's the biggest factor in adults all the way past young adults. But everything that we do, we should be putting the word of God in there, in our sermons, in our core cadet lessons, in our in the van ride home when we're dropping kids off, when we're talking to our neighbors. You know, I think there's a reason why in Deuteronomy it says, "Let these words be in your head all the time. Share, talk about them all the time, because because there's life in that." All right, last point. 
This comes from this. This will be our last point. Our news, last news. This comes from a youth pastor called Tom Shefkunis. Uh, he goes by Chef Shunis. He goes by Chef. That's how I, we know him um, in the uh, youth ministry world. But he's he shared this illustration in one of his talks, and I think it just needs to be shared wider. I think it was just it was a powerful illustration for us to hear this. So discipleship. Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. So we've, those of you who ever listened to General John Gowans, you, you, he talked about the three-legged stool of the Salvation Army. But Chef says there's a three-legged stool to discipleship, okay? So here's the legs to the discipleship. And I just want us to talk about really quick as we get ready to end this show, how can we disciple people in these areas? So here's the first leg is the one that everybody knows, okay? And that comes down to the Bible or curriculum, Okay, to disciple somebody, you need to have the word which we just talked about in the last news story. Okay, so the Bible or curriculum. As as a as a, the position, Major Jamie and our, our appointments here, we make curriculum, right? We write material, we write peer magazine, we write war cry. Those are discipleship materials. Those are very important. That's but that's only one leg. The second leg of discipleship, according to Chef, is time and history for discipleship relationship. To happen, there needs to be time and history. People have to have time to talk to one another and build a history. And then the third leg almost goes exactly with that is shared experiences. People have to experience life together in certain ways. This has got to be more than just a covered dish after the core. That's a great thing. Covered dishes are great, but you can't just uh, do that. Like, like that, you can't just be like one once a quarter. We're just going to do a, a pizza night, and that's our fellowship. No, it's got to be the three legs again: Bible, time and history, shared experiences. So, my question to you, Major Jamie and Elizabeth, is: We have a lot of Bible and curriculum in the Salvation Army. We got enough resources that'll choke out a horse. All right. So the second question is, how can we do better? What can we do better in the time and history and the shared experiences like a discipleship? Go. So this is challenging, particularly because in the Salvation Army, you know, being a pastor is not the only job. You're a pastor, but you're also, you know, running a a nonprofit. Um, And so time is... Precious. Yeah. There's just not a lot of it. And I think this is where we run into our, our biggest issues is we just don't have a lot of time there. Also this coupled with the the way that, um, Salvation Army officers move, which, you know, there, there are benefits and positives and there are reasons why that happens, but that also makes this part difficult to build time and history and shared experiences. Yes. It, it may, it's, it's a challenge. I'm not saying that, you know, it, that, that kind of system is the devil or anything that just makes it challenging because you're not in a place for, you know, decades, you're in a place for two, three, four, five years, if you're lucky. Um, and so that, that can make discipleship challenging. That's why local officers are so important. Um, That's why we need to be training our soldiers to be leaders and to be disciplers. And we need to, to help our people understand that it's that discipleship is not the sole responsibility of the pastor, or I shouldn't say the pastor is not the only person in the church who should be doing the discipleship. We should all be in discipleship relationships, whether we are the one doing the discipling, we are the one being discipled. Every member of the church, every believer should be a being discipled and be a discipler. Exactly. Major Jamie stole my notes. She looked over my shoulder when I was writing this stuff down. Soldiers, when our time as officers, and this is not just a podcast for Salvation Army officers, but our time again is fleeting. And that's everything. Soldiers, you know, life is short more than we realize, right? But we need to be training disciple officers. You should be, we should be discipling our soldiers to be disciple makers, go and make disciples. Because again, I'll say this, and I've said this many times, I stole this quote from somebody. Soldiers are, the standing army of the Salvation Army. Officers just revolve, but the soldiers are the standing army. So we, 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 most of our core, and I don't mean this as a slam, but most of our core are small. And like, we, we don't have to, like, we don't have to have like these mega churches that have small groups and they tie together. Like most of our core, can I say, can be a small group in some places. And that's okay. Cause just because 
that's a better opportunity for discipleship to happen, to build time and history and shared experiences and all this. I think, and I'm going to say it, and it's a spicy take, but I think we do as, as, as Salvation Army, we worship, we have a little bit of idolatry in us. Back in the day, back we talked about uh, with the witches of TikTok about Manasheth, ter, uh, Manasheth uh, sacrificing sons to Baal, Chemosh, Molech, Ashtaroth, all these false gods in the Old Testament. I think we have one that we worship too in the Salvation Army, and it's called Tada. To do, to do, because we always have something to do and we are always, always trying to get the next thing done off of our list to do. And relationships suffer sometimes because we have so much to do. We are a slave to to do. And so I think we, we, we sometimes have discipleship programs set up in the Salvation Army. It's just a to do thing that we have to do. We tick a box. We say we did it. And that way we can uh, can move on. And I would say, and I, uh, we might edit, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. And then Major Jamie, if you don't think I should say this, we can edit this out for sure. Okay. But I think that a symptom, a fruit of the symptom of the lack of discipleship, perhaps that we see sometimes in the Salvation Army nationally is the sort of candidates epidemic that we're going through right now. So I think as we disciple people, uh, that that candidacy program that we that problem that we have in the Salvation Army right now will continue to grow. Yeah, I mean, I think there, you know, it's easy it's easy to be to like uh, name problems, right? Anybody can look at their denomination. We can look at the world. We can look at whatever and say, here's all the problems. We don't ever want to be people who are only just like, well, here's all the problems. We can't offer solutions. But I think that if we look at a lot, uh, some of the challenges that we face as a denomination, uh, a lot of them, what's the root? The root is discipleship. Candidacy is, is certainly one of those things. Um, you know, what, what are the, what, what is the thing beneath the thing? We have it, we have discipleship issues. Now the, the, I don't want to say good news. It's not good news. The, maybe reassuring helps you feel a little bit better news is that it's not just the Salvation Army that's having these problems. Exactly. It's the church across America. Matt has a, uh, the opportunity to sit on a lot of different youth boards with different organizations and everybody is saying the same thing. We have a discipleship problem. Uh, and some of that I think is because we tend to sometimes, um, hold on to ways that worked in the past. Again, Salvation Army can be guilty of that. It's not just us. I'm talking about the church in general. You know, these were systems or programs that were put into place to solve this problem. And the world has changed, but sometimes we still want to try to solve new problems with old solutions. Mm. Um, But we're seeing now that that's not working anymore. And that's okay. It worked in that time. We're not saying that it's bad. We're not saying that it's wrong. That worked for that time, but this is a new time. So we have to think of new solutions. And we can see now that maybe the way that we've always discipled isn't as effective for today as it was for generations before us. And I know again, I'm not saying that those ways are bad. They were great. They did the job that they needed to do, but we need something different now. We're seeing that what we've always done is not effective with this generation necessarily. And so we need to be figuring out how can I effectively disciple? And it would seem that the trends are moving away. And this is tough because you work in the, (laughs) you work in the program department. Again, we're not trying to push programs out, but program can't be the only thing. It's only one leg of the stool. It's one leg of the stool. There are two other legs that need to have their, their, focus. Right. We're not saying saw the leg off. What we're just saying is make sure that that leg is in proportion with the other legs. All right. Just in the same way that you don't want to sit on a stool where one leg is really long and the other two, you know, so you're all wonky. You don't, that discipleship has to be the same way. We need to be making sure that all the legs are getting the attention that they need. Community is huge right now, especially because of the pandemic. and it's just the way that this generation is wired. They're desperate for community. Not just them. We're all desperate for it because it's biblical, right? God created us for community. We need it. It's it's in the way that we were created. And when we were when we're discipling people, we can't just say, well, they come every Wednesday. That's community. And that doesn't w- work anymore. 
Yes, they come on Wednesday and they do these things, but where are the other touch points? I would also say that we have to make sure that we are, um, when we're approaching relationships, especially with kids, that we're doing it in a way that's authentic. Uh, And what I mean by that is, like we always say that kids have great fake detectors, right? They can tell, they can tell if you're being, if you're not being genuine, like kids aren't dumb. So this is a two prong thing. Like one, you have to be authentic in yourself, right? Cause they can tell when, when you're fake and when you're not doing, you know, like living what you're saying and stuff, but two, they can tell when, you know, like, like you're asking them how they're doing. Do you really care? Like they can tell if you're really interested and invested in how they're doing, or if you're just asking because, you know, I have to ask and it makes me feel like I'm discipling you. So, uh, so, you know, got to figure out a way to be authentic in authentic relationship with not just young people with each other. Uh, that's a huge part of discipleship. Yeah. I know Salvation Army officers and soldiers out there right now are saying, but I don't have the time. I just have so much to do and I don't have the time. And we're not saying that this is an easy answer. I'm not. And we're not just trying to be dismissive in this. We're just saying, here's two other legs. Again, let me give them to you one more time. The three leg stool curriculum, which we have plenty of. All right. We got plenty of nothing. No new resource out there is going to be the golden leg. We're not making a pedestal. Ooh, that'll preach. We're making a stool. So time and history. And shared experiences. What can you do in your core planning in our ministries where we're building time and history and shared experiences? What has to go? We're not saying add more. I'm not telling you that right now. We're not saying add more time. You know, there's not, there, guys, listen, there's no more time coming. Everybody since the beginning of time has been given the exact amount, 24 hours a day. We're all, whether you're rich, poor, whatever, you've been given the exact same amount of time, the entire world. You got that time. What are you going to do with it? And we're not saying add into it. I'm not saying start another program and all these things. What has, I'm asking maybe what needs to go or what needs to be refocused so that these other two legs of the stool can be focused on. Major Jamie, I got a scripture verse, but give us your final thoughts on this discipleship. Yeah, no, I was just going to reiterate what you were saying. This is, please don't feel, we don't want you to feel at all listeners like we're saying, um, you know, that you're wrong or that, you know, or saying, yes, or saying, well, you just got to figure it out. This is just uh, a lens to help you look at your, what you're doing in discipleship and say, okay, this, these are the avenues that I have for discipleship. How can I make sure that I'm including all three of these things? Uh, Again, because sometimes we've only been trained in program. We haven't necessarily been trained in the other things. Um, And so all we're all we're we are only presenting this not to come down on anybody or to say, hey, everybody sucks at discipleship. Not we're not trying to say that at all. We're just saying when you look at your discipleship opportunities, keep these three things in mind. And see, like, Mm. figure out, okay, how can we make sure that every person in our congregation is being met by these three discipleship needs? Yep, that's good. It's just a tool. It's just a tool to help us reframe the way that we think about discipleship. Remember, Jesus, even Jesus wasn't discipling all the thousands of people that came to him. He had his 12. And even in that 12, he had his three. And core officers out there, you may be scrambling saying, I just don't have the time. Maybe you just have three. And you are pouring into them so that those three can be discipleship makers of prayer. All right. So let's end with this. Hebrews uh, chapter 20, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not giving up meeting together as summer is in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. May we just meet together and encourage one another. That's all discipleship is. As you meet together, you... Uh, you build time, you build history, you build shared experiences. That'll do our three things that we've talked about today. Major Jamie, do you want to you wanna round us out with our last question? Yes. What is bringing you joy? Elizabeth, what's bringing you joy today? Okay, I'm going to throw it back to my youth, and that was BuzzFeed quizzes. And yes. this is something that I recently took. And I don't know that you guys know this, but me and Major Matt are actually the same age. 
we are only five years old, <laughs> according to our taste in appetizers. Yeah, you explained uh, what what the quiz was this morning. Oh yeah, was it? it was you would take a quiz, and based on your choice of appetizer, it will give you your real age, your mental age. Yeah. So Elizabeth and I are mentally five years old because of the appetizers I, that we chose. I, I think it was the mozzarella sticks that did me in. Did you also choose mozzarella? Yeah, sticks? I mean my stuff was childish. Like if they yeah. had if they had dinosaur shaped nuggets, I would have been all in. I lacked sophistication. Same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> so I don't know if maybe, maybe, I don't know if it's possible to like link, link a note or something like that so that people, you know people could take this appetizer age quiz if they, <laughs> but Buzzfeed quizzes are uh, awesome for sure. So like, fun. What kind of pepperoni topping are you? Like how much time have, what friends character am I? Like, well, how much time have we wasted in life when we should have been reading the Bible? Anyway, listen, sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes you just need something to help your brain shut off. My thing that's given me joy that I, I just think is funny is in this job, I get to find these like insane uh, Christian ministry resource website stuff. And I've got a good one here for you. Nerd culture is so popular. Like there's no such thing as nerd culture now. Everybody's got a little bit of something that makes them a nerd, dweeb, geek, whatever. So uh, go to lovethynerd.com, lovethynerd.com. It's a Christian website where they take like video game culture, Star Wars, Game of Thrones. I mean, uh, like to all these things and they just like find redemption. They turn it into redemption culture. It's just a good, a couple of articles in there. It's good to check on every once in a while. Love thy nerd. Yeah. Lovethynerd.com. Major Jamie, what's giving you joy? Okay. What's giving me joy today is really simple. We have this tree in our front yard that turns the most glorious colors in the fall. And right now it has all these beautiful shades of orange and yellow. And I don't know, I, I choose to believe that this is God's gift to me. But somehow every morning when I leave the house, and I don't leave the house at the same time every day, it depends on if I'm on drop off duty with the kids or not. But the sun, just because of the direction of our house faces, the sun comes through this particular branch in the tree and it just kind of lights up the leaves. It's so beautiful. And every morning uh, when I leave the house, I get to see kind of like this little, and it just makes me happy. <laughs> it just makes me happy. These glowing leaves. And I'm like, I, I just say, you know, thanks God for the small gift Yep. while I go brave the, you know, traffic. And to call so. that back, that's giving honor to the creator and not the created. All right. That's going to end this episode of the Battle Line podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Battle Line wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to check out the Peer website at peermag.org or follow Peer on the socials at peer.magazine. Lastly, we have a sister podcast called the Fight for Good podcast, which comes out of the war cry. I think this is an awesome one you want to check out and tell me if something else is coming out before this, Major Jamie and Elizabeth. But I think Commissioner Hodder, the national commander, interviews Charlotte Jones about 25 years of the Salvation Army Dallas Cowboys halftime Thanksgiving thing. Is that correct? Yep. This, uh, this coming Thanksgiving will be the 25th national red kettle kickoff. Uh, since that date we've, we've raised since that kicked off. Now we have that national kickoff every year. We've raised almost $3 billion in kettle income, um, which that, that uh, partnership helps give us, um, you know, some good PR out in the public to say like, Hey, it's this time of year. Don't forget to give. Uh, and we've seen incredible results from that. So yeah, definitely go listen to that yeah, interview. Check out that episode. You can hear how the partnership started, what hopes are for the future. Until next time, folks, this has been the Battleline podcast. Bye. See ya. 